everyone to fear and loathing in cinema podcast it is a doozy this week because it is september 12th never forget and we are hitting up that spooky season it's gonna be so good uh that's why we're gonna start with a horror movie today and it is from 1998 so we're heading back to the 90s I am Brian Kluger, and I'm just uh, wanting the cream pants all over here, and I'm joined by the three people I'm going to go tropical with in this horror series, including Dan Moran. How's it going? It is going fantastic. I am ready to go on a lovely voyage with all three of you to a lovely tropical island that has the best concierge money can buy. Right, right. Now it's crazy. Uh, also joining us is Miami local Chelsea Nico. What's up? I'm good. I'm good. I just i I feel like I know the capital of Brazil, so I'm a little spoiled, but I'm good. I'm ready for it. You're yeah. ready for she's, it with your. She's coffee. got that Rio coffee blend. Yeah, yeah. She she does. Uh. They're right there, right there. And then, um, of course, who you just heard, uh, the, the the man, the myth, the legend, the the, the guy with the hook in life, <laughs> Preston Barta, how are you? <laughs> I, damn, I love this thing. <laughs> oh, yay! Yay! Oh, that's good. He, he did it. He had his hook. He had his hook toothbrush. I love it. Um, yeah, if you can't tell, we are talking today about the 1998 film that was released just in time for Thanksgiving in 1998. I still know what you did last summer. Uh, directed by Danny Cannon, written by Trey Calloway, and starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, Freddie Prinze Jr., Brandy, also returning, returning champion to this podcast, Mackay Pfeiffer. And Bill Cobbs and Muse Watson. Uh, we're getting it. Yeah, it's I Know What You Did Last Summer sequel. That's what we do here. Directed by Danny Cannon, who gave us Judge Dredd and Geostorm and a shitload of CSI episodes. But he also gave us I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. So let's talk first. Let, let, let's go to let's go to Dan. This was 1998. I was 17 years old. But Dan, how old were you? Did you see? I still know what you did last summer in the theater. It's early for math, but I think I was around 14, 15 ish. And absolutely, I saw this in the theater. This was on the heels of Scream, um, which, you know, when you're 12, that would have been 96. That movie was like, oh my gosh, this is such a great horror movie. And then I know what you did last summer was a phenomenon. Um, at least to me and my people. And then so the sequel's coming out and everyone gets excited about it. I specifically remember going to see it. I remember walking out of it and thinking that it was very, very good. 
Well, good. I mean, that's great to hear. I mean, because it's interesting because I know what you did last summer cost like $10 million to make and it made like $150 million, maybe more than that, $170 million. And of course, they were going to do a sequel. Preston, you were, if I was 17, you were seven when this happened? Eight. Eight. Eight years old. So you didn't see this in the theater unless you snuck in, right? Yeah, I did not see this in theater. I saw it on VHS and I bought it straight up without having seen it because uh, <laughs> I love the first one. And this is still my copy. You still you still got it. Guess uh, how I watched it last night because this isn't available unless you want to pay four dollars. I watched it on VHS in here. I got my kids uh nugget, which is like a sofa cushion that you can fold and collapse and shape into whatever you want. I put a sheet down and me and my wife watched it in here. That's awesome. That TV up there. And by the, very special. And by the way, the there is a trilogy to I Know What You Did Last Summer, and it's on sale right now on Vudu for like 10 bucks. all three movies. Has anybody seen the third one? I haven't, but, you know, let's put that in the old bank for a future episode. I always know what you did last summer, I think, is what it's called. Yeah. I think they're putting the always and they're changing the language in the wrong area because that summer has passed. Yeah. This is two summers ago. Use use code fear and loathing for 10% off. There you go. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Chelsea, what about you? When did you first uh, come aboard this movie? Um, The other night was my first was my first watch of this um so I, I watched i i watched i know what you did last summer which i've seen before um i have never seen the second one and <laughs> woo woo that we're going to get into why that's a woo uh but first i was so going to say the first I was movie. 11 when this came out so no okay you were 11 so you didn't see in the theater you saw but you saw this movie for the first time uh yesterday or the day before okay coming in new i like it uh first off let's talk about i know what you did last summer and why that worked and why that made so much money um I, cause it's very much scream. It's very much slasher. You know, you have your Freddy's, you have your Jason's, you have all of that, but then in scream, you have a mass killer in this one. You just kind of have a fisherman. Uh, and Dan, why, why is this fisherman was wanting to kill people? All right. That's the big thing. I had to go back and watch the first one to understand what the motivations of the second one are. First of all, you asked why it was successful. Cause it has four hot people in it at the height of, quote unquote, teen sexiness and magazines and MTV. That's why it was super successful. And it came out in the summer. Perfect. A horror movie in the summer with hot people makes perfect sense. Um, that's why the first one was so successful. But this killer, just so we can get people in here, the killer was married and had two children. <laughs> His daughter had a ten Ted Kennedy situation where she was a passenger with some guy Went off of a bridge, not a bridge, um, a corner on these cliffs in this beautiful area. And the guy got out and she drowned. So he got revenge on the driver who drowned his daughter. As he's getting revenge on this driver, Ryan Phillippe and Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar and Jennifer Love Hewitt hit him. And rather than 
help him, they get scared and they're like, he's dead. Let's just move the body and not ruin our lives and push him down a hill. And so therefore, because they're liars, he decides I'm going to stalk you and try to kill you for the next two solid fucking years <laughs> and have all these elaborate schemes instead of, you know, just going to the cops and putting these four hotties in prison or at least on on severe probation and ruining their lives. He decides the working title should have been four hotties in prison. <laughs> so being our resident uh, man in law, you're, you're an esquire over there. It, can 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 a fisherman get away with this with this I mean, murder? That, <laughs> my whole point. I, got, I know we're going to get into the plot of this movie, but I really had to figure out in this one why did he set up this elaborate scheme to get them to a Bahama island on the rainy season, and he's using his son to do this? And I'm like, man, did she do something to their family? This or no? They just messed up his plot of killing a whole other guy. <laughs> And lied about it. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure that out. So, okay. <laughs> I I know what you did last summer, and I still know what you did last summer. Preston, uh, what do you think was the water cooler situation with I know what you did last summer, and I still know what you did last summer? Do you think like, okay, we, we have I know what you did last summer. Let's go tropical. Like let's let's bring it. Must we go tropical? Let's let let's have something and we can all have a good time. Forgetting Sarah Marshall style, we'll all be in Hawaii and have a good time. Do you think that's the case? I don't know because it's barely tropical. I swear they shot this in like a L.A. hotel or something. They, they like shot that. it in Mexico. They shot it in Mexico, not okay. the Bahamas. Yeah, well, yeah, it feels like they shot it during COVID. It kind of <laughs> has that vibe to it. Yeah. And you know what this after watching it last night you know what it reminds me of the other uh kevin williamson movie that we talked about that that covid movie that brian and i talked about on my bloody podcast oh, oh yes i forgot it's about so that much one. like beat for beat when we were because when we were reviewing that film we're like man this is the kind of movie that kevin williamson would have made fun of in the 90s and this is exactly <laughs> what this movie is it, it's pretty much exactly what scream would make fun of the as Dan said, the whole plot and scheme of going to—I swear we'll get around. It, the to answer your question, the answer is just money. They fast tracked this to in the same way they uh, fast track Scream too. But Kevin Williamson already had the idea in mind of where to go from there, and this one had like hints of like doing something more realistic and grounded because Jennifer Love Hewitt's character amid all this ridiculousness, she's still a pretty grounded character. As I was watching it, I was like, Oh, they're really getting into the trauma in the way that like the new Halloween movies want to with, with uh, uh, Laurie Strode, where it feels a little more realistic and how paranoid she is. She's on campus and, and things like that. But then, yeah, they have this whole stupid plot with the killer buying first class tickets to the Bahamas, putting on this uh, radio thing, and then they get there. Um, and then yeah, you have Herbert West uh, running the hotel. It's um, crazy. It's it's yeah. it's crazy. Uh, Chelsea, coming into, I want to hear from somebody who just first saw it the other day. And I want you to tell us, tell everybody what you thought of the first movie. And then if you were excited to watch the sequel, and what you thought. So I, 
I do. I really like the first movie. I think it's, it's really well done. And I, especially with, I mean, I've never really like been a fan of like Buffy and everything, but Sarah Michelle Gellar is amazing in the first one. And they all seem like they're a real group of friends in the first one. The second one, not so much. It's just, I put you here. I put you here. Um, Play, play nice together for a paycheck, please. Yeah, and if I may be crass for a moment, I think one of the biggest reasons they made this tropical is because they wanted to get Brandy and Jennifer Love Hewitt in bikinis in mm -hmm. four scenes. There's a really like, long pan shot of Jennifer yeah. Love Hewitt right it, before she gets in the tanning bed, and I was like, good God. It, it uh, Yeah, there was some creepy stuff going on, and I love the notion I read up on the budget for this movie where it said... and. 24-65 million dollars is the reported budget so somewhere in there like can you imagine being the accountant for this movie being like how much did it cost to film this movie it's like what well, could have been 24 million could have been triple that i don't know <laughs> like, <laughs> it's insane to me they just they the fact that this movie came out they threw together a script and had it out in about what was it like 13 months later yeah. It was it was out. So there were trailers for it like eight months, nine months after the first one came out. It was just like cash grab, cash grab, cash grab, and it shows. It, it was shows. a fat. It was a fast track. So so Chelsea going into this new new one right away, like the other day. So I wasn't excited just because of me knowing the score of it. Um. <laughs> so I was. <laughs> What's the score on Rotten Tomatoes for it? What is it, like 7%? Seven. 7. Okay, so I wasn't pumped for that, but I don't know. I think people can be wrong. Um, but the whole time, <laughs> they... <laughs> Spoiler, they weren't this time um, for me. Um, but the whole time, I'm, I'm, I just feel like they, they had this ridiculous premise that was so good that they didn't use to the fullest like of where this huge trip to the Bahamas. And then I start thinking of um, like all the logistics that this like killer and his son had to do to get these people. And I don't know. I just, I will say the whole time I thought about how good something like this could be. If like, if it was a, like a white Lotus, Mike, like Mike white situation to where like Jennifer Coolidge had answered the phone and, you know, she just is her wonderful, wonderfully just flighty, dumb Jennifer Coolidge self in that character. Right. And, oh yeah. I, I won. I won. Let's go. And I feel like that, I don't know. That's all I could think of the whole time. Yeah. I, she, she probably would have hung out with Titus a little bit more. <laughs> yes we're gonna get to that character oh my god i feel like in every movie back in the 90s or early 2000s there was, there was that character um but going into this when the the cast and crew go tropical they go to an all-inclusive hotel resort i don't know if it's just me but i have like 
first class service at hotels. And I don't understand why hotels like in this movie are so mean. Everybody from the concierge, the hotel attendant and the maid, everybody seems to not be happy in this movie. (laughs) Is that like a real thing? Has anybody experienced that? Or do you think that was just like written for this film? No, that well, yeah. they the whole thing is like they're like it's off season and the storms are rolling in. So, I I know I've never experienced that. <laughs> the fuck? They work for tips. Like, <laughs> they they work paid. for tips. They they get paid, but like if you go to one of those resorts, like every time they say something to you, they can be like, "Oh, the bathroom's that way." Hand yeah, I, tip. Like it's it's it is insane that I don't know if they were trying to do it for comic relief i don't know it it was just it was off-putting and honestly it grinds the movie to a halt like when they show up to the the resort and it's empty it's like okay it's already creepy but now they have to deal with like three assholes for 20 minutes it's just like it's a weird it was a weird swerve i feel like it would be creepier if things were normal and they were the only ones experiencing these things right yeah kind of like another freddie prince jr movie where he goes to an island and everything looks normal and then it's not. <laughs> but enough about Scooby-Doo. Yeah. <laughs> I was just about to say Scooby-Doo. It's just the same say, thing oops. with Sarah Michelle. So let's talk about this opening sequence. It is straight Nightmare on Elm Street with like you you got that first sequence it's all like a dream and she's running away and stuff like it it's set up exactly like nightmare 1 2 and 3 basically start out like with somebody you think that it's something real going on and then it's so did that bring you in i thought that was a hell of an opening yeah definitely one yeah. of the better parts of the movie yeah and then all, what you all of her dream sequences are scarier than the actual plot of the movie Right. All the setups from the first one all the way through the sequel, the three or four dreams she has between the two movies are always scarier than anything that happens in the actual film. Right. I I, I get that. I, I, I think that they, they did well with that aspect of the film, but then I think there was just too much going on in this movie that straight set up somebody's walking down a hall Fisherman shows up and it's over, and then just rinse. You can out. open the door and doves will fly out. Yeah, it's a John Woo movie. So, did any has anybody read the book that this franchise is based on from the seventies? No, you don't have time to read. <laughs> I'm curious. I I because I forgot that this was actually based on a book, and it's called "I Know What You Did Last Summer," and it's like the same story. But I didn't. I was curious if anybody read the book. So. Um, the cameos in this movie in 1998 are insane. So we got to start off with Freddie Prince Jr. is one of the main characters. He's looks like he's a local fisherman type of thing on a boat. And then his best friend yeah, he's like this. Yeah. Yes. Is John Hawks in a role that he should still be playing like John he Hawks. Has. He has played it. He does the perfect storm like two years later. he's just so good in this role for like the three minutes he's in and i think he well he does he has the second best death (laughs) but 
having all these who's okay we'll go down the line chelsea who's your favorite cameo in this movie jack black is that is that dan jennifer esposito <laughs> what hey csi <laughs> the director and her were together forever yeah. when she showed up i was like oh my god i forgot about her and also wow <laughs> <laughs> and uh preston um, Jack Black's a pretty good one, but I think I just for my own sake have to go with Jeffrey Combs. Oh, be, well, you do have you do have a soft spot for um for your movie, yeah, Reanimator. Uh, but let's talk about Jack Black. What character does he play? Titus, the comic relief <laughs> himself. Yeah. The so. Stone. Just a little bit earlier, we said that there was a character in a lot of these types of movies, and it's the stoner character. It's the Jay and Silent Bob character in all of these movies. We've seen it in Freddy vs. Jason. We've seen it in Scream. We see it here, but in this movie, so the movie kind of plays itself out seriously, but Jack Black was on another level. Jack Black came to set every day as Jack Black in Tenacious D. And it's unbelievable what they did with him. To see he's got dreads. He's all about smoking weed. I talk to me. What what Dan, what do you think about this character? He was from a different movie. He was from like an MTV opening of a music video or something. Or a tenacious. He was on TV. spring break. Yeah. He was on MTV Spring Break and he just, you know, walked right over. Yeah, it it made I enjoyed it, but again, tonally, everything, it just made no sense. He also was super creepy, very funny, but when he was, when they were in the hot tub and he was coming over and just <laughs> looking over at Brandy in her bikini and then like yeah. <laughs> having the, having the joint in his mouth underwater, like he was just, he was just living, living his best life right then. What do you think that the director told him to do? Do you think, they they had talks like you need to play it more serious and Jack was just like no this th- I have to go two hundred percent on this. I think it was more like we don't know what we're gonna do with your character, so please just do what you want to do. My worst my worst fear is that the director was like this movie is going to be very scary and intense, and the audience is gonna need a break. Thank you, Jack Black. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. Is he was like. People are going to be like sweating and peeing themselves in this theater out of fear. But thank God Jack Black's here. That's my biggest fear. It's like, well, the thing is, is Jack Black, our mystery in this movie is very bad. And we have no use of red herrings. So we need something to kind of fill that void a little bit. And there you go. There you go. Do you agree? I honestly would have had wanted more of him. I don't know if it's because if I was older watching this in the 90s having watched the first one and being like this is a great mystery and i'm very compelled by everything and then going into this one you kind of want something on the same level i think after all these years how much has been ridiculed i want more of that jack black ridiculousness because there's his line about like you're going you're going to bed and and that's it like that is so much like life in your thirties and forties of just being like, yeah, this is what life is now. And I don't stay up anymore. I will just, I will just take a Jack Black cameo anytime, any place. Um, so I, I, I don't know what his direction was, what 
anything was. He was just a white Rastafarian, and he nailed it. Yeah, he did. I wanted him it, to be the killer, actually. I, yeah. So much so that when he's looking down the boardwalk, because that's the point where you're like, well, he's not the killer anymore. Um, because he's like looking down the boardwalk after Duncan, uh, who we should, uh, or uh, what's it, is his name, Duncan? What's the what's the doc guy's name? Oh. Derek, Derek the dock hand. Yes, he does a really great accent bit at the very beginning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, there's a point where his character is killed, and the Jack Black's walking back to the resort uh, on this boardwalk thing, and then uh, you see the killer in the distance. I wanted him to be like later when the reveal comes. He's like, I was so stoned out of my mind that I even projected an innocent version of me on the other side of the dock just watching me so i wanted it to go that level of ridiculousness but they were trying to go serious with it i think yeah which is a problem they clash they did because like even with jack black his death scene which is so good he has those elements of like tenacious d like when he gets stabbed in the hand with a hook and he just goes god damn it and it's like you want to hear kyle at the end of that yeah, <laughs> and it's just—it's so funny. He starts. He starts his Jack Black cry. It's just—it's—it's it's wonderful. It's—it's it's so good. Um, there, there's so many like yeah, in Esposito. So, did you like seeing um her Dan in as a bartender? I just thought that she was the only one who seemed like she was actually an employee on the off season. Yeah, she Making was there for drinks. Yeah, she's just like. Oh, I'm going to ID you. She's like, I don't want to be here. You know, it's a pain. Like she seemed to be in a different movie, to be honest with you. Cause even her reaction of like, I'm hiding in this freezer because people didn't start dying until you idiots showed up. Um, the stuff that she does is somewhat believable as a character, <laughs> which is a lot more to, you can say more than a lot of other people in the movie, as far as reactions go. So yeah, I, I just enjoyed them throwing her in there. There was Jack Black. There was the um, I'm gonna. This is gonna sound terrible, but the old uh, the old the old black guy. Yeah, he was guy. But is he? Well, he was doing like voodoo stuff to like try to protect them. Like, yeah, he's, he's been in so many movies. When he was I in Bridesmaids him. for a split second. <laughs> he was like the Professor Snape and the Sorcerer's Stone. Just like you think it's him, but he's actually helping behind the scenes. Yeah, there, he. There was lots of good stuff like that in it. It, it was it was good. So do you think so the plot twist of this movie, we're, we're going to talk about it. Do you think the plot twist makes sense from start from the beginning of the movie until the end? Like, do you Chelsea, do you think that plot twist helped the movie or hurt the movie? I mean, what specifically are you are you talking about the whole <laughs> The Benson. whole yeah, Benson, Benson. Benson. <laughs> I just, I so, I look at Matthew Settle, and this is right before he did like Band of Brothers and stuff. So, I I don't know. I'm looking. I I looked at that that actor, knowing who he is now, and I'm like, no, he's got to be a fucking creeper. Like, there's there's no way that he's just like. And I felt it so weird that she would just go on this and then her friends would just invite someone when she's already with Freddie Prince Jr. Like that was very weird to me. Um, Randy's a good friend. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super good. Um, 
do I think it works? Kind of. <laughs> um, I think it's probably one of the funniest things I've heard, like diet, like like dialogue wise. Like he's like Benson, Benson, <laughs> and then like, hey, Dad. <laughs> uh, Preston, yeah, what do you think? No, I, I agree with Chelsea. I I think. It, at that point you're just like so numb to like i can't believe they're doing this like what what are they doing um that i just kind of so overall uh, i'll just kind of jump the gun a little bit and just say that i think this movie is i mean it's painfully mediocre and as i said at the top it's like the kind of movie that scream would make fun of but there's still i don't know if it's just because i'm looking at it as like this movie's like 25 years old now that I know it's been ripped apart. Obviously, it's 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I was reading Roger Ebert's review last night, and it was pretty funny. I did I did review that, too. He And he put, uh, I still know what you did last summer, and I know what you did last summer on his worst of list for the year. I know. I, I don't understand. the. First, I mean, there's a lot of things that I don't understand sometimes when I read back his reviews, uh, but they're uh, amusing to me. Um and I know that Freddie Prince Jr. does not like this movie. He doesn't want to talk about he's, it. Uh, he's never seen it. He's, he said yeah. that the reviews were so bad, he still allegedly has never seen this movie. Well, I mean, he's not, he's sidelined in the movie. I really think it would have been a much better movie if it was Jennifer Love Hewitt and him more so in this one, because he's kind of sidelined a bit in the first one, too. And th their relationship, even though it's like, ah, I know the ins and outs of that, but at least the way that it's set up, I was like, oh, maybe if, if I didn't know what was happening, I think it would have been great if they actually ended up on the trip together. Um, and uh, because I just really enjoyed their their relationship. Um, but uh, what was the original question? I've been kind of veering off here. <laughs> the the original question do you think the um the plot twist makes sense plot from twist. start to finish because you have this character's benson who's allegedly good friends with jennifer love hewitt in college and like yeah. he pretends or maybe not pretends to be a scared of flying and have all this information about natural disasters but then he's <laughs> I don't know then he just like completely changes I don't know I don't know do you think the plot twist makes sense no, it, it doesn't. And I think the point where he uh, really sells himself as like as the kind of person that he is, uh, is right after Jennifer Love Hewitt or Julie is doing the karaoke. I will and, survive. Yeah. And then you <laughs> see the I still know what you did last summer pop up on the screen when she's reading the lyrics. And then that's when Jennifer has, uh, Esposito walks away just just perfectly to try to create some sort of like, oh, is it her? Um, but then she so Julie is had a very traumatic moment. She goes to her room and then that's when uh, Benson uh thinks that that's a great time to surprise her. There's so many things, like even Brandy, uh, uh, Carla as a roommate, like there's just things that are just kind of set up for, uh, I don't know, it's like the filmmaker had like, I know what the beats need to be, I know what they look like, but I didn't really think about like the math and science involved and kind of making those 
be uh, it would unfold as it would in real life. It's just like, I know that there's the long hallway or chase sequence or something, but he doesn't know like how to really get there. And so that that's that's the, a big problem in the film. Um, but yeah, I, I think Will's setup, you know, it's him. It's like a it's low hanging fruit. You know, it's him. It right? is. So it's it's not a good reveal. Um, and as I said, the mystery is not. Well, it's, it's interesting you brought up because like Ebert in his review even talked about it that no matter what happens to uh jennifer love hewitt's character in the movie she is she is like at a 10 scared like a glass could break or a pin could drop and she's like sent you know into a panic attack through the whole movie like to the point that she hears rustling in her closet she gets a knife to go stab brandy like it's just it's just through the whole movie so i'm curious and all that uh she wasn't supposed to be there if someone's like just in your house. <laughs> I don't know if I'm getting a knife, but I'm just. I'm she just... she sleeps with a knife in her bedstand. <laughs> she gets a bag of chips to eat, but falls asleep. Sleep undercovers with it. I that have that true. in my notes, by the way. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> she gets in bed with a bag of chips and doesn't eat it. Uh, Dan, what do you think about this? Uh, this Benson turn. Oh, it sucks. It's terrible. Let's just, I mean, I, I will gladly say that to the director or writer, say like, come on, you, you got the money, you rushed this movie out, but this is bullshit. This guy, just to go through his plot here, his dad survived losing his hand in the first one. And then he's like, hey, son, I need you to enroll in what looks like an Ivy League college. <laughs> Choose the same major as this hot brunette girl that would never give you the time of day who already has a boyfriend. And you're going to talk to her for half a semester. Also make friends with her, with Brandy. Um, and then figure out a way to go ahead and we're going to get a um, fake Bahamas thing. Buy them all first class tickets. And hope that Freddie Prince Jr. says no, because we know that she's going to invite him. But when he says no, you put in all this work that they'll put you on this plane. It's just... It's so stupid. It, it sounds crazy. I like how you described it because it's kind of like, okay, this kid has trauma, but you're going to go to this Ivy League school. You're going to make your life better. And it, it reminds me of that movie, uh, Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in oh, the yeah. Hood, where Marlon Wayans goes like, what, what's your dream? He's like, I'm, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to get a job at a bank. I'm going to work my way up to me. I'm going to rob that motherfucker blind. <laughs> it was like, you're going to do all these good things just to like do something for your dad. What's happening. <laughs> and that's, and that's the thing. Like he's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so bad. It's such a bad. Is it so bad though? Is it so bad? Well, that's tell us why it's not so bad. It's so bad. I mean, I'm entertained by it as being like, oh, here's a shitty 90 minute movie. I kind of laughed at some parts. It's very, very silly. But as far as the central plot of this movie, it's bad. It's so dumb that we haven't even got to how Freddie Prince Jr. He's 19 years old, has a, a diamond ring that's a full carrot that he pawns for $250. Listen. And then he gets on. I could not get over that. I had to stop. I said, I was like, I was like, uh, is inflation that bad? <laughs> From like 1990. And then he's like, oh, you know what? There's a huge storm coming. So I can take, I believe it takes place in North Carolina. I know that you can get there. But he's like, I'm going to take a fishing trawler 
at gunpoint and just boat through a storm and get there at perfect time. Like the whole movie, they just did so many mental gymnastics to get to a conclusion and a finale that isn't very suspenseful or fun to begin with. Like, I feel like they could have really done so many better things to make this movie more profound or believable or or even more fun. So it's just crazy. I don't know. The whole movie's crazy. I feel like if I cared about like Julie and Freddie Prinze's juniors like characters more, I I would be more kind of like let's get them together, but I don't I don't really care. I care about if, them. I but there's what because they were together in high school and they went through like a traumatic situation but then a year later he comes to her college and he's like hey let's go back to the miss croaker pageant let's do let's do let's all go to a crawfish again. boil yeah <laughs> like i just i just don't want to like i that was one of my notes it's just, um just he's not ready to leave why he's is he want to go trying to bring her back to the trauma when she, she said but she says to his face like i'm not okay well, then he, he leaves, but I mean, like, she's still going through some pretty crazy trauma that everybody's trying to help her out of. Where are their parents? <laughs> <laughs> just, just as a side note, like... As a, yeah, where are their parents? Where is any... There's... I, I know, I'm nitpick. I'm nitpicking a 1998 sequel that you know, was in, like, six months. You, you answered your own question earlier. Mm-hmm. Four hotties, when you add the parents in there... It makes it creepier. <laughs> it reminds you that they're very young in high school. Also, right? they, they were kind of doing Freddie Prince Jr. wrong in this movie, too, because he looks like right. an Abercrombie model. And he's like, I want to stay on this fishing boat forever. Like the way he looks, dresses and like the stuff that he does, just say his family owns part of the wharf in wherever yeah. and that's why he's well well, let, well let's let's say that freddie prince jr only for like good 90 seconds is normal but then they beat the shit out of him he's got scars and blood and his arms in the cast he- and, he, and he leaves he leaves like batman does in the dark knight rises out of the like the third story hospital window he just like, <laughs> it's just open blowing in the wind it's like now he's a superhero with one arm. What are we doing here? Uh, he, he climbed his way out. And then, <laughs> and the then drove a boat at least eight hours to get to the Bahamas. Actually, oh, yeah. Well, you Wait, guys- what happened to Paulson, the guy who drives him over? What happened to him? I don't remember. He died, right? Well, the, okay, so that brings me to... Well, so first, first, before we get to that question, um, I want to bring up the character that Mackay Pfeiffer plays because... It's such a weird and strange character because you want to like him and then you're just like, I don't like him, but I get I get his motivation. He just wants to go tropical and be with his girl. And everybody everywhere is preventing him from just doing that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't listen to reason at all. <laughs> yeah, I, just think, reason. I just think there are bigger things happening on you know, on the vac- vacation, then. Yeah. But he doesn't know that at the time. I right? feel like he gets, he gets little sprinkles and then he's just like, nah, man, whatever, whatever it is, I'll take care of it. Because what is Mackay Pfeiffer's character, his mo- his whole motivation in the movie? Jumping on the bed with Brandy. With Brandy. 
<laughs> I mean, that that's what. Scene, by the way. Yeah, that's 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 what it is. I mean, he's. Do you think he's one note? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he's he's a insufferable kind of character. Like I said, doesn't listen to reason, and so yeah, his whole motivation is, uh, as I think Chelsea said in one of our tech our text chain before we started talking about this, that he, he he's all there just to you know sleep with uh, Carla, and um, anything that kind of gets in the way of that, it, it's just like you can feel his frustration. Uh, <laughs> Because it displayed pretty well, especially during the hot tub sequence. Get your own hot tub, man. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's all. That's all there is to him. And he's only nice when he's getting inching a little bit closer to that becoming a reality for him. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, so that brings me to the other question of the fisherman killing. I get the point of the movie, especially the first one and maybe the second one. He wants to go after the characters that like allegedly tried to kill him. But why is the fisherman the, with the hook killing anybody and everybody in this movie? Like, I don't get it. I mean, he's just, is it just to like have kills lab rats? That's it. Is that it? Just to have kills and gore on screen? Yeah. Just to affect. Yeah. <laughs> because, because in the film, the, the hotel said he worked there and had a family there. Right? Is is that right? Yeah, they say like his wife was there and like they were growing up there. I don't. I who cares? I don't know. <laughs> well, like, like let, let, let's talk Come it on, through. Man. Don't give up let's, now. Let's talk it through. Like, why do you think? I mean, because usually in a movie, if there's like, it's like you know, it's kind of like I spit on your grave. It's revenge for like allegedly leaving you for dead. But then he's just taking out everybody, like the like the, the poor skipper and the people that work at the hotel and everybody. You're just like, why? Your mission has like gone off the deep end. You're just taking out anybody. Maybe because... he just doesn't like how they checked him in. And how <laughs> he's always had a grudge against them for how they treated him when he lived there. Or, yeah. I mean, it's all in service of making sure that he creates this beautiful, elaborate scheme for jennifer love to get to jennifer love hewitt's character that's it um so they gotta affect you know run up the kill count just so she believes oh, oh. like I, I don't know it's like he's just like uh uh fred uh freddy krueger and wanting to like really build up her fear to the very end and then be like yes the delivery of saying that I was behind this all the whole time will feel great. And that that's it. But it like comes to one of your favorite horror franchises, Preston Halloween, where the survivors find all the bodies in like closets and bed, like a lovely room of death. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lovely room of death. Uh I I don't know. I, I think this movie is better than a seven percent because I do care about specifically jennifer love hewitt's character and i do care about um freddie prince jr in this movie i think they're just going through something and they're thrust into this world that's supposedly like the happiest time in a college person's life at all inclusive and then it's just people trying to kill him and her fears are coming true like everybody's saying like it's over it's done with it's all good all these dreams you're having you need to get over it and then it's just like it's actually happening what what do you think 
of the theory that this was actually just all of her dreams because every single thing that's scarier is in a dream her whole emotional state is a dream it ends with a dream everything is well like okay so that's the question the very end scene like they allegedly kill the guy the fisherman and benson and it shows freddie prince jr and sarah or not sarah michelle geller um jennifer love hewitt together in the end and then house they're brushing their teeth they're together they're married maybe um, and then she sees in a mirror, the fisherman under her bed pulls her under, uh, and that kind of like famous horror kind of sequence screaming. Was that a dream or was that real? Like that, I, that is a very big debate you brought up, Dan, like that. What do you think personally? Do you think it was all a dream or do you think that was actually real? They actually didn't kill him. Oh, I think it's, I think it's all in her head. Um, cause even the first one ends with her going to take a shower and on the, the, it's written on the wall in the steam. It says, I still know. And then he breaks through the glass of the community shower to kill her at the end of the first one. I just think that she, I think if I'm giving them some grace, I think they're showing that this trauma of her life is always going to follow her any, everywhere and it's going to haunt her forever, except they didn't make a movie that cares about any of that until it can get a cheap scare to get someone to hold my hand when I was 14 years old. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's so sweet. By the way, <laughs> just science science block here. Um, if you were to go from North Carolina to the Bahamas via a boat that can go 25 knots, it would take you two days and 16 minutes. <laughs> so Freddie Prince the hurricane was, waves got him there quicker. Freddie Prince was booking it down there. Like 80 knots? He got real tired of holding that gun. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you looked that up. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, is this a? I know we're in a writer's strike right now, but these people shouldn't be allowed to work again. <laughs> we would just be sitting around the writers' room, and be like, "Well, what if he stole a boat and goes down here?" No one's gonna be like, "How long would that take?" Isn't there an easier way to get him down there? <laughs> just like no one said that. They were like. Fuck it. <laughs> we need to show Jennifer Love Hewitt's going to be inside of a tanning bed for approximately four minutes. We don't need to worry about logistics. No. I love I... that because it reminded me of like Final Destination 3, yeah. but how Final Destination 3 did it so much better. They yeah. went through with it. That's why she, I was better. She could just yeah. go out the top top of the tanning that's, bed or bottom. That's one of my notes. I was like, just squeeze, squeeze you out the top. Also, the the freak out from uh benson and mckay pfeiffer and brandy over a zip tie was yeah hilarious. turn the fucker off you turn well first of all unplug it but yeah anything but them freaking out that it was a zip tie like oh my god ah! <laughs> when they started screaming i was laughing so hard because i was like oh man it must be like um you know a handcuff or something when they showed it was a zip tie i was just like oh what are we doing here <laughs> just yeah, no one turned it off weird. either. Yeah, just no one. Yeah, it turned made it, it worse. Either. Yeah, it made I it worse because like the glass was falling on her inside. <laughs> yeah, like no one turned it off. We could have just turned it off and then like calmed ourselves and like cut it. Like so I, funny. I, don't know. So funny. I, I did. Th so so going back, Chelsea, what do you think about that end scene? Was it a dream or was it real? So going with the first movie, I'm gonna go that these are kind of her most paranoid dreams and kind of delusion it, her her fear like manifesting okay yeah so dream yeah. sequence so 
yeah. Wes Craven style. Uh, Preston. I agree. Um, I just don't think they did it as well as something like the end of Mr. Brooks, which ends in such a way where you has anybody, everybody seen Mr. Brooks? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so yeah, that, that movie ending with Kevin Costner as the dad, and then he's, he's been a killer the whole movie. And then his daughter starts to, uh, kill people on her college campus, but he, he's trying to cover tracks cause she's sloppy and has to kind of like hone her skills a little bit. And, but he always will have the fear of his own daughter killing him. And it ends with like getting stabbed in the neck, but then he wakes up and he's like that, but it shows, it shows him waking up. And so I think that's what this movie needed. Like instead of just doing the, ah, it leaves you more confused because we're having this debate right now versus being like, Oh man, that's a, a bit more chilling knowing that sh- no matter what, she won't be able to shake off well, my, everything that she's experienced. My guess is just that they did that. They ended it without her waking up. It was just like, okay, the first movie made $170 million. This one might. So there might be a third one. So this yeah. is kind and of. And it's, it, they leave the room there for whoever picks up the torch to do kind of whatever with they could answer that question and go either way it's like a uh, broom boy in the last jedi just like what do you what do you do from here you can do whatever you want right so do you think um do, do you think the gore in this movie do you think there was a good amount of gore or just kind of like stagnant i mean there's more gore by comparison to the first one but yeah who has the best kill? Is the best. You think uh, Jack Black has the best death? I think it's Mackay Pfeiffer. Well, he gets the hook through the neck. And then yeah. G- g- dragged up. Yeah, he gets straight lifted up. Yeah, Mackay Pfeiffer. For me. And how, that was and how brutal. long was he standing there? He was like standing on top of the stove while they were in there. <laughs> yeah. There was nothing behind it. He was just there. All of a sudden they looked up and there's his feet. Was he just standing on the stove waiting for them to come in there? It was awesome. That was that's the best kill. I think that and like I, I get the Jack Black because it it's a different death scene because it's usually it's like slash blood end. And then with Jack Black, he's like pleading for his life and there's they're on them so, for longer. So yeah, this whole series is the 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 surprise hook thing. Yes, and that's what makes it fun. But for that sequence, just because I enjoy his character so much, um, it's it's slow. It's thought out. It's like, oh, don't he's he's just like so paranoid that he's looking over at the weapons, and then they have this whole moment of like you know torture, be like, which weapon do you want to die by? Yeah. <laughs> so I enjoy I, that. I. I, John Hawks was good too, but I think one thing that is very clear to answer your gore question straight up is that there's not enough gore because between the first movie and this movie, so many people get impaled with a hook or yeah. some sort of blood and then they come right to that crime scene and there's no blood anywhere. <laughs> like yeah. the body's gone, the blood. So there's never um, a head. It's, this isn't like saw or anything like that. It's very much just like real quick and then. The body so it, it can be easily edited for USA or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sad face right there. Sad. Um, so who do you think gets the acting award in this movie? Jennifer Love Hewitt and 
Pretty and funny. is it for the scene, sub-question, is it for the scene where they, you know, what are you waiting for? Like they did that at the grave and it was very forced. Uh, but So they they said, we had her do it. We we had her do this in the first one. Let's let's, let's do it again. Come on, get me in the second one. And it's gonna be raining. Yeah. And now it's gonna be raining. It's so raining. It's gonna she's be wearing a white shirt. Now yeah. it's gonna be raining. The nips are gonna be out. It's, everything. It's it. The first one is kind of an iconic. Yeah. Like for '90s horror, like I specifically remember her doing that in the first one, and in the yeah. second one, I laughed because I was like, "Oh man, they really tried to go back to the well here." It doesn't. <laughs> it was really forced. Yeah, yeah it doesn't but, at all. But presence said, "Is Jennifer Love Hewitt best actor?" Is that is that does anybody disagree with that? It's Freddie. Why is it Freddie? Because he didn't want to be there. And you can tell. <laughs> you knew. Like I appreciated the tell. fact that he his agent or whoever it was was like, listen, I've got eight days that I can shoot this movie. I could be in this fake Massachusetts college and then for exactly one scene, and then I could be on a boat. I'm not even gonna be in the hospital bed because I snuck out the window. And then you're going to have me on this terrible rain graveyard scene for like, I don't know, three days. And that's it. And I'm going to get paid the same as everyone there because I'm Freddie Prince Jr. And I'm going to be charging you on the, on the, I also love how Jennifer Love Hewitt's boobs are just like so visible on the poster. Said that's a selling point back then. That's, yeah. it's, that's, yeah, it's, that's a whole franchise selling point. You know what? That's I was about to be make my friend. I my Freddie Prince Jr. I stand by. He was the smartest cast member, but Brandy wasn't a terrible actress. So that's mine. She was pretty. Yeah, then you take it. She was pretty good. Brandy was Brandy was funny, and I and Brandy's not a bad actress just because I mean she was raised in all these shows and stuff, and so if I can say she, she might be a better actress than Jennifer Love Hewitt for me. Um, and especially in these. Yeah. I, I wouldn't argue with you on that. That I thought she was good. I, uh, who's best actress. Would I have to give it to Brandy? Would I give it to my Kai Pfeiffer or would you give it to Jack Black for really going the distance? Jack Black was uh method acting though. There wasn't really. One I would just give it. <laughs> he was Smoking that bat guano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was. I I really liked Brandy in this. I think um, putting her as the best friend flowed really well. And I think that's kind of the only... Um, it, it, you needed that female friendship. And she, she played that very well. Yeah. I agree. I liked her in this. Okay. So interesting behind the scenes information. The studio offered Peter Jackson to direct this in 97. He turned it down. I mean, we know what he did after that, but what would this movie be if Peter Jackson were to make it? But funnier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think he would have leaned into the, the absurdity and the humor a little bit more. Yeah. It probably would have made more sense tonally. Maybe. Bill Cops would have killed them all with a lawnmower. It would have been about three hours though yeah true so there is a the sequel. ring would have been a big deal you know oh yeah it would have the the one ring <laughs> <laughs> it's the prequel or no a very distant sequel um so 
there is a sequel to this movie that came out some like almost 10 years later called I Always Know What You Did Last Summer, which I don't think stars any of the original cast from these two movies. But it is got a sci-fi channel budget. Yeah, but it is said it was announced in February of this year that there's going to be a legacy sequel similar to what we've been seeing to Halloween or the new Exorcist coming out or even the craft where Freddy and Jennifer are coming back to their roles for a legacy sequel. Does this movie need a legacy sequel and how will that work? No and no. Why no and no? I. It's just my answer. Is it just oh. like, did we say all we needed to say with the first two movies? Yeah. <laughs> I just don't think there's much to add to this. I Are disagree. Gonna... I disagree because we talked about the trauma with Jennifer Love Hewitt and Freddie Prince. Maybe that can, since mental health is a big thing these days, we can focus on that. So we're and... just going to focus on re-traumatizing her in a million installments? It's yeah. Called horror, it's called yeah. horror movies, Chelsea. I, I know what it is, but I'm, but uh, mm. no, the answer, the answer to your question is, do we need one is no, we don't need any legacy sequels to any of this. We don't need it. Will it work? It might, if they go in any direction other than the one I'm sure they're going, which is Freddie Prince Jr. And Jennifer Love Hewitt have children and these children have something get run over or get chased by the granddaughter of fisherman and i'm gonna just roll my eyes are gonna roll out of my head i'm kind of tired of that whole thing though like bringing the children in and stuff i just hey these are capable actors let them do get scared to death when they're in their 50s their kids yeah. are gonna go to a party <laughs> and run somebody over exactly i mean we saw it work tesla we saw it work with yeah. the last two Scream movies. They didn't bring really in kids to that. They all had their part to play. I think they could do it with this movie. They didn't bring kids into the Scream. They didn't bring direct kids like Nev Campbell's children, but they just brought in a bunch of kids who ran Reeses into the and thing. stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's That's all I mean. Like That's my biggest fear of what they're going to do because it's a very... The killer's motivation makes no sense. And so that's why I'm trying to figure out what would be... The, the scream it just works you kill horror movie fans but like i still wish this summer it's gonna be like you ran over my grandfather 30 years ago but didn't kill him and he was real mad about it and he brought you to the bahamas and then you killed my great uncle and it's just what are we doing like what it's the, the fast and furious formula <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be their their kids go to some party they they run somebody over kill somebody accidentally and it's some Ben son, Ben son, and then they're all gonna have to say, you know, they're gonna keep it from the parents the the entire movie, and then the parents are gonna, you know, be like, well, when I was your age, I almost I murdered someone as well, and <laughs> all I'm saying is that from 1998 till this movie allegedly is gonna come out in 2024. So much good horror has come out and evolved since then. I think they could make an amazing well, legacy sequel here. It would be really cool if it like started off with Jennifer Love Hewitt waking up in a mental institution because these really were all dreams just like destroying her. You know what I mean? Like she couldn't yeah. she couldn't handle it. And then she something's going on with some sort of killer in the town that maybe has nothing to do with anything and she just like thinks it's her job to go hunt them down or something i'd be like okay that's kind of cool i would want to go like more like 
yes, the whole mental institution, but take take me 10 steps further into like an X-Files episode and the, he she's getting these all of these dreams and everything is caused by some like weird so fish poison from the fishing town that she- <laughs> you want you want a how to blow up a pipeline last I do summer. that's what I want that's what I want I always know what you did last summer brought in the supernatural though mm-hmm. um oh you guys cut out no we're here did was I there I, yeah. and when it what it did in that one was there were a bunch of kids who knew the legend of the fish killer or the fisherman killer. And at the Croker festival, they tried to play a prank on someone. The prank went wrong and a kid died, but none of them know who moved. Like the kid fell through some pit or something. There were supposed to be mattresses under there or something, but it was like, he got impaled on something and died. And so the whole plot of this one, according to Wikipedia is them pointing fingers at each other, not knowing who actually killed the kid. And it turns out that it was actually some sort of supernatural ghost of the fisherman or something that like made this kid die. So I don't know. It's interesting. Preston, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I'm down for a sequel at this point, just because I feel like this one just kind of already destroyed everything that this franchise had going for it. Go for it. I don't care. Um, I, I didn't like any of the new Halloween movies. Uh, the first one's okay, but um, I, of course, I want original stories and all that. I'll make that argument like everybody else, but um, I, I kind of would like to see these characters again um, me, down me the line. Too. I don't know what they're going to be doing. I think all these are really good ideas. Um, I don't know if it needs to tip its hat towards supernaturalism or just be like another uh mystery uh, hopefully a well done one um but as long as it's true to like what we would think these experiences would be like i'm for it um once it starts trying to i don't know put in all these ridiculous concepts and characters for the sake of a laugh um i i i, I don't want that i would want something a little more serious uh uh, in the new one, I figured. Okay, all right. Good characters. Good characters. Dan, your weekly question: How does I still know what you did last summer relate oh to Johannes Wickes? The rave sequence. <laughs> now, has, was the old black guy in John Wick? Because I could totally see him hanging out with Morgan, or I mean uh, Lawrence Fisher. No, he was the coach in Airbud, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah that's that's a tough one that's a tough one i mean have anything i feel like it's it's um it's freddie prince jr holding the gun to somebody to get them to do something like that yeah that could be easily keanu reeves it's yeah no i'm saying it's the rave sequence that that whole sequence was so poorly edited it was like everything was close up with the flashes like they they would have to have a epileptic uh warning <laughs> at the front of it but it was just like it, it was so hopping in that place like blade could have just yeah could have come down with that oh yes i love it so it's currently at a 7% on Rotten Tomatoes. I still know what you did last summer. Chelsea, what does this really deserve? 
mean, I would bump it up to like a 12, 15. 12 or 15 percent? Yeah, I don't like it. I feel like there was so much that they could do with the premise that could have been so good and it's such like a dud most of the time and it and I and it's not because of the performances it's because of the you know whoever wrote it okay okay Preston what about you um I'm probably gonna go like 37 into the 40 areas and I'll tell you why we'll go through a couple of these great sequences <laughs> okay so Freddie Prince Jr. and John Hawk singing White Snake together yeah when they're driving that's in my notes some points yes all right um let's see throwing up uh, some people can't um the whole uh, uh Mikhail pfeiffer uh vomiting off the boat and then and titanic yeah yeah the whole yeah the whole titanic there's a lot of references in here yeah um i can't they even what say freddie and of. jason in the movie they even bring up freddie and jason in the film yep uh, the jumping on the bed sequence that I was talking about, because you think that they're having sex, but it's actually Brandy jumping up on down on the bed. <laughs> that was funny. Um, the laundry hotel, uh, when Brandy's just like, I'm going to go see what's in this big laundry uh, door and opens it up and there's a body in there. I don't know why anybody would go inspect that, but it was hilarious. Because she's uh, why sneakers in there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um the the glass house was not built for hurricane season whatsoever um <laughs> so that was fun uh, oh it's like all the jurassic park references that's what i was getting i was like oh the island they get them there ah jurassic park um and then her standing on the glass is lost world everything um, is jurassic park to preston yeah <laughs> And I, I just love, I, I I mean, I used it during my intro of him brushing his teeth, but that he's just like Freddie Prince Jr. in that moment is like such a gullible idiot. And just seeing him just being like, <laughs> hi guys, <laughs> big gulps, huh? I'll yeah, see you yeah, later. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, that's a 37% or something right there. I'm going 55, 60% um, oh with this movie. And I, it's because it's like, it's like scenes like Jennifer Love Hewitt getting into bed with jeans on with, goofy, with, goofy. with baked lays and just gets under the covers and doesn't eat them i love that um i love makai pfeiffer when he says the line you better recognize i just killed me i love i missed that saying um yes john hawks making two fish kiss each other and um freddie prince jr just mouthing fuck off <laughs> it was so good um, the white snake thing, um, the Titanic jokes, and Mackay, yeah, what what Preston said, I love that. Jack Black referring to his weed as cream jeans, like was amazing. Um, and Jennifer Love Hewitt singing "I Will Survive" is so on the nose that she even it's... has a track on the soundtrack. <laughs> she does. She hey, at one of my radio shows I did actors that tried to go to be a musician i absolutely play jennifer love hewitt um no i think i think this is right up there in the 55 and herbert west saying you wouldn't know hurricane season if it if it uh if <laughs> if it blew out your ass <laughs> yeah, that was really good too and i i i liked it i i like this movie um dan what do you think seven percent or above or below I'll give it 20 just to be nice and it 
allowed us to talk for an hour and a half. So Preston and I did not convince either of you to bump that up a little bit? I just did. I bumped it up from single digits to 20. (laughs) (laughs) So that means one, like that's a one, that's one out of every five people you meet would be like, oh yeah, give it a shot, which I think is fair. Yeah. But it's not, it's, it's not good. It's not it's good. It's like, how, it's better than Halloween 5. <laughs> the first, how's this? The first one I would give up in the 50s and 60s. Oh, that, Absolutely. I think that's like 70s. 80s. Yeah, 70s, 80s. But, yeah. So yeah, that's what I mean. But this one is just a disaster. It's, <laughs> it's a disaster. Okay, so with that, to end this show on... Is there any social or political commentary in this movie that the directors or writers were really trying to get across in the nineties? Yeah, don't be a don't be an idiot. <laughs> yeah. No, no, nothing. Know the, know the world capitals so you don't get fucking kidnapped to yeah. the Bahamas, or don't because you're fucked either way. Or I just don't. want to be clear yeah. to anyone who listens to this podcast. If you want to trick me into an all-inclusive resort and then try to murder me for a couple days, I'm here for it. <laughs> hey. Give me a call. Hey, it's a vacation. Damn, damn, That's what I'm I mean. First class ticket and then I just have to survive. It turns into the most dangerous game. That sounds fucking sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Beats this family life with two kids at home. <laughs> I know. This, guy, this guy's just, I got life insurance. This guy's sitting here like spending 20. Life insurance. This guy here is spending like 25 grand to try to get these people to kill him in a rainy, a rainy graveyard on a terrible Bahama Island during the rainy season. That. Come on, bring it on. Dan is ready for you to try something to me too. My Freddie Prince Jr. will take his three-day boat trip and come save me. Man, all y'all talking just makes me wish that this was something more like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and he had like a whole the whole family still like grandpa's there. Like we got Yeah. yeah. Um, kidding, grandpa. Or even House of Wax, since that's kind of Oh my God. Movie. No, I, I I like this movie. And it's interesting that this was Jennifer Love Hewitt's last horror film. And, you know, she's done romantic comedy. She's been in a ton of TV shows. But do you miss Jennifer Love Hewitt in horror? Yeah, she's a good scream queen. Yeah. I do. That's she's coming back next year. Yeah, I hope so. That is Fear and Loathing. 2024, yeah. Yeah, 2024, part four. Uh, Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. That's who we are. We're here every week bringing you the good movies or not so good movies. It's your it's your choice. But uh, Chelsea, where can they find you online? Um, Chelsea Nico on pretty much everything and Miss undersc- underscore Tenenbaum on Twitters. On Twitters. All right. Go find her there. Say hi. Tell her that you like this movie. Dan Moran, where can they find you? They can find me on the Fear and Loathing and Cinema Instagram and go ahead and send me questions, comments, jokes, mean comments, whatever you want to do with all the stuff that goes up there. I love it. Can we talk about how you tagged us all in that thing this morning? Because it made me laugh really hard. Yeah, it was good. Because it was just Preston and Brian just. Well, because Preston and I actually took a picture in bed. (laughs) We do have one. I'm, I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> it's it's uh it's pretty wonderful. Yeah, I guess if they bring that back, we need to do the. I'll put my hand on your face. 
Yeah. No, I'll just sonic. just my camera. Just uh, I'll put my thumb in your mouth. You'll be sucking. <laughs> 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 It'll be good. Preston, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me mostly on Instagram for under Blu-ray Dad, and then you can find me on Twitter, Preston Barda. And then you can find my writing on DittonRC.com for Ditton Record Chronicle and FreshFiction.tv for Fresh Fiction. Perfection right there. I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at High Def Digest and Boomstick Comics and our other shows. My Bloody Podcast, No BS with Brian and Susan, and Soundtracks Radio. You can find me, Brian Kluger, everywhere online, including you, porn. We'll be back next week with another wonderful movie. Thank you all for listening.